A podcast where we go one-on-one with fiction creators, such as authors, filmmakers, actors, songwriters, and more. Each episode, we get the inside scoop on our guests' creative process, the ups and downs of their industries, and our guests also give out tips and tricks that help them become successful. And now, let's jump into the episode with your host, Chris C.L. Lowry. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Fiction Addiction Podcast. My next guest is an empowerment speaker, life coach, ghostwriter, and published author. She is a contributing author in Rashonda Tate Billingsley, The Motherhood Diaries 2, which was nominated for an award with the African American Literary Awards. She currently writes for Major Key Publishing. Her novels have been number one on Amazon's Kindle list as a hot new release and bestseller for urban Christian fiction have also been approved to be distributed in women's federal prisons throughout the United States, Canada, and London. She is an ordained and licensed teacher in her church's organization. She has spoken at several churches as a keynote speaker for women conferences, seminars, panels, or just simply teaching a Bible lesson, which she does weekly at her church. Ladies and gentlemen, Denise Ann Kelly, also known as D.A. Kelly. What is going on, Denise? Hello, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. (laughs) So let's start off by briefly discussing 2020. Um, We have (laughs) the coronavirus (laughs) pandemic the racial injustice that's still going on around the country, um, this goofy presidential race that's going on and um, the loss of so many iconic figures, everything that's recently going on, going on in Africa. Um, So where are you at mentally with so much going on this year? Oh, this has been a different kind of year. I'm going to say it like that. Um, So where I'm at mentally, you know, I'm, as you can see from my bio, I am a Christian. So everything has to be rooted in my Christian walk. I actually mm-hmm. contracted COVID-19. So I had COVID-19. Um, oh, wow. So going through that and then just trying to stay positive and then just keeping the hopes that, you know, I'm going to be the one that lives, you know, because it's just, right, you, just right. don't, you just don't, you just don't know. So what keeps me rooted, what keeps me grounded, honestly, is my Christian beliefs and my, you know, my Christian lifestyle that I have. Now, now, how do you look at these times like this, especially how important, I, you just touched on it briefly, how important is having that faith in times like this, especially because a lot of these things are, you know what I mean? A lot of, a lot of these religion, a lot of these things are based in the religion are are touched on in the religion and now some of those things are coming to fruition. So it's so yeah. like how do you balance all those things and and stay grounded with so much going around going on around? Um, I think in knowing um, just some we all need, and I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna push my religion or my belief, but it, with the way the world is, a belief in something bigger than you is 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 what's going to keep, keep us, you know, I know, you know, we've, we've heard our grandmother say, you know, we just, if you come from a religious background or a church going family, if you will, you just hear these things so often, like you need a faith, you need faith, you need faith, but the world really is so different now. And it's just a lot that's going on in the world that our grandparents probably would have never thought would be going on. So having a strong faith now is just, very, very vital, I believe, with the way the world is, with all that's going on with the world, with, with what children go through, with the things that children get involved with, just with all the access of things that can just make you, you know, just go wild. We need something that keeps you grounded, something that keeps you rooted. And a faith is is very much needed in these particular times and where we are with the world today. Now, now speaking on the pandemic, what was that moment like when um, 
you contracted the virus. Obviously, we've seen so many people have different reactions. Some people are asymptomatic. Some people have been in hospitals uh, for a long period of time. And then obviously, others have passed away from the virus. So what was that moment like being in there, that moment? Um, the moment, The moment you find out that you actually have COVID-19, you know, the moment you get tested and you get the results and you actually have it, it's a moment, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, the the whole thought of, am I going to live, you know, and that's in knowing who God is, you know, you just, because you see it now that so many people really are dying. I know people in my family that have died from, I have a few people because I'm originally from New York. So, you know, it was big up there at first. I I do have aunts and uncles and and my niece's grandmother, you know, people that have actually died from it. And this was after, this was, no, this was before I got it. So I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, you, death is, is an option. So when I, I officially knew I had it after I got tested and I knew I had it, you know, when the moments get like, oh my goodness, am I going to live? Cause you know, I, I was not asymptomatic. I had all the symptoms and I had them, you know, on steroids, if you will. I had mm. every symptom that you that they say you would get, and I had it. Like it was very strong. So at the nights when the fevers are just really high and it just keeps spiking and just won't go down, and you know, I'm hot, I'm cold, and I'm I'm coughing, I can't breathe. It's like all this is going on. And you know, I have people I can go to, people that has been in the faith longer than I. So I have right. like my mother and I have other older mother figures that they kind of get pretty much got me through when I had the moments of like, Oh my goodness, I just can't take it. And it's like, no, Denise, you're going to make it, you know, just I'm praying for you. And, you know, you have all these people praying for you. So when the moments get rough, I had someone else that I can kind of turn to when I just couldn't do it myself. Mm. Now, obviously contracting is such a big part of, um, the journey through this pandemic for you, but outside of that, uh, we still had to follow all these quarantine rules that were put in place by many of the states. And you being a speaker and a business owner, how has the pandemic affected you on that side? Okay, so before, even before I got COVID nineteen, the speaking engagements were just were and are like null and void as far as right. any live speaking. Now I have done um, some virtual things, but I'm really, that was pretty much new to me. I hadn't done many virtual speaking type engagements. The, the ones I would do would be out and about, you know, going to venues and speaking. So that I have not done that in 2020. And I'm, can I just foresee now that I won't be doing that in 2020. Yeah. Um so it, it was kind of different with not having any kind of engagements, you know, for this year. Um, I do work, right. a, 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 you know, a regular job, a nine to five. So my nine to five pretty much was, you know, the, the going thing for me. But I had a whole schedule of, you know, speaking and all kind of book things I wanted to do and all kind of events I wanted to host. And that just was just scratch for the whole year. Hmm. And I guess the same thing with with uh, the church as well. Um, I don't know if yours was closed, but a lot of them had, had to shut down and had to do the virtual thing as well. But it's a different feeling when you're in the house. You know what I mean? When you're around yes. um, the other members. So how has that been um, during the pandemic with you um, in the church? Um. Well, we of course, we definitely closed when it was the height of the pandemic, when it was just the the phase one, the complete shutdown. So right. we, that, that was closed for that. And then when, when the world, you know, started gradually coming around, um, I sing on my praise and worship team. So the way we did services, we did, we did the virtual thing. We had only 10 people in the building to, to carry out the service and the rest of the parishioners had to watch it on Facebook live or something like that. So we had mm-hmm. the praise team that would come. We had the musicians that would come and whomever was going to preach that message for Sunday would come. We always made sure it was a total of 10 people in the building. It's a, a very good sized building. So we were spaced out, masked up and 
gloved up and all of that. But we were, I was, you know, I, I don't know. I was not one of the saints that got to sit home for the whole pandemic. I still had to come. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't get to take that break. When I got COVID-19, that was the only break I got. Right. I got that break after I got all better. You know, it was, I, I was one of the people that had to still be at the church with, you know, I was one of the 10. So it was not, you know, it, the only difference for me was not having a house full of people, you know, right, in, a, right. in a church. But as far as like taking a break and no, I don't get to go. That, I wasn't, I wasn't that person. I still had to come for, <laughs> yeah. That's so I didn't get that break. Everybody got <laughs> <laughs> I had to get sick to get my break. I don't know, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's the only break I got. So yeah. <laughs> now, now, when did your writing journey begin? Oh, my writing journey. I mean, I know this is going to sound cliche, but it began as a little girl. I've been writing for as long as I can write. Um, mm. It wasn't, you know, when you have a, a gift or a talent and when you Something And when it's something that you're used to doing that you've done pretty much all your life, you don't see it as a gift or a talent. So right. it's something I just always done. I just did it. I like doing it. That's all it was. I didn't realize that I wanted it to be what I did for my life until maybe, I don't know, five or seven years ago when I decided okay. I want to be an author. Hmm. And when when that decision was made, walk me through that journey from, okay, I want to do this. Now, how do I go about doing it? Walk me through that journey to how you got to the point you're at now. Um, okay, so I write, I, I've, I've always written. I, I write even when I'm not publishing anything. I'm just, I'm just going to write either poetry, short story, a play for my church. You know, I'm going to always write. So I don't know. It was just like, you know what? And it was just like this. I think I'm gonna write a book. I think I want to write a book. You know, I said, I, you know, I, I just think I want to write a book. And I just came up with this story. I, I kind of pulled my stories from Bible stories or things okay. that's in the Bible. And then I just use that thought and make a story. Like my, my first novel was even when it hurts 70 times seven. So I, it comes from the verse of, you know, how many times you need to forgive your brother, you know, in a day, 70 right. times seven. So I wrote, so that's a whole book about forgiveness. And then I wrote another book about um, a beam in your eye, which comes from the verse of how can you take a splinter out of my eye when there's a beam in yours? So I took a whole, I took that verse and wrote a book about, you know, someone, um, you know, looking down on someone for the same thing that they did, but just the world didn't know they did it. So mm. I like had stories in me and I just like, you know what? I just think I, I think I'm going to start for the second half of my life. I think I want to write. I think I want to speak. I think I want to do the thing that I, I think I was made to do. And then just, that's pretty much how the thought came to be. Even as far as being a speaker, coach and all of that. It's like, you know what? I, I, I know God has a purpose for me and I love my job, but I know he didn't make me to just be an analyst for Blue Cross and Blue Shield. So right. I think you're like, you know, like, you know, I guess, you know, it takes some growing up to like, you know what, why are you here? Like, you know, I kind of had one of those deals. Like, what am I, you right. know, every now and then we always get to like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And you know, why, the why, why, why? So it, it kind of came from one of those sessions with myself. Like, Denise, what are you supposed to be doing on this earth? And it just kind of, everything just kind of just spiraled from there. Right. So how long have you been doing motiva um, motivational speaking? Um, I've been, as far as calling myself a speaker, it's been, I would say, three years as far as actually, like, I'm a speaker and speaking out in wow. other places other than church. Like, I'm always speaking or teaching in church. So being that's something I've done, like, pretty much my whole life, I didn't really look at it like that. But it has been within the last three years that I've actually like spoken in other like for women empowerment things that are outside of the church, like actual speaking engagement. Mm. Now, 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 briefly. I want to talk about the importance of women empowerment and um, especially 
in today's society. We see so much disrespect, particularly against black women. Obviously, we have the Breonna Teller situation. We have the mm-hmm. um, Say Her Name campaign. So talk to me why, because you, you could have been the speaker about anything. <laughs> so talk to me why um, you specifically wanted to get into women empowerment when it comes to speaking. Um, well, the women empowerment comes from just, you know, when you're younger as, as a, well, you wouldn't know as a woman, but being young as a woman, <laughs> I know, right? Being young as a woman, you know, the, the self-esteem issues that we go through, the, you know, the aesthetics that society thinks, you know, say that we should look like, you know, the, the whole, I don't want to live anymore. I'm not worthy. You know, sometimes we mm-hmm. just go through that as women. And that, that was like my drive. And I am, I don't know, millennials gravitate to me, male and female. So in my church, like every time they have issues that they, they, they want to, you know, have a session with me or they'll tell their friends. And even when I'm just out and about, it's like they just are drawn to me. And I just talk to them and I just talk and encourage them and tell them, you know, you, you know, that the life is, is, is there for you, you know just giving them all kind of encouraging and empowering words, even to guys, but for women, just letting them know. And I think because that so many of them gravitate to me and because I'm, you know, I'm not judgmental of what they do and how they feel and the things that they go through, but I'm pretty much telling them a truth of, you know, how things can be different for them. If they're fine, if they find themselves in situations that are a little compromised. And I've had one young lady, she had to go to the rehab for trying to commit suicide. So I actually went to the rehab and, you know, sat with her and talked with her. And I just find myself in little situations like that. And it's like, you know, that is a message that women need to know that you, you know, with all the labels and all the weight that the world puts on women and some of the weight that we take on ourselves to want to fix everything and always have the answer to everything. You know, that gets a little heavy and a little overwhelming. So mm-hmm. to let let to let, you know, women know that it's okay to take time out for yourself to make sure you're okay, then that's what you need to do. So I kinda wanna be that uh-huh. that voice of it's okay, even if you find yourself in a bad situation, it's okay you because you can get out of it. Mm. I guess that falls in the line with also um, being a life coach as well, which you are. So (laughs) what got you into that as as well? Well, the thing is like what has really driven me at this point in my life is because I've been doing this stuff like all along. So it's like, okay, Denise, just go ahead and make an official thing of it. You know, I've I've been coaching for you know, a long time as far as what coaches do and and a coach by definition and a mentor by definition, I've been doing that for a long time in my church for years in my church, but I, you know, I never was licensed or certified. It's just something that I do. If they want to talk to somebody, they're going to choose me. So I'm thinking like, Denise, you've been doing this all along. You might as well go ahead and make it official thing, get the proper credentials and just Uh go ahead and let that be what you do with the second half of your life. Mm. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now, ghostwriting, before we jump into your publishing journey as an author for yourself and your books, you're also a ghostwriter. What was yeah. the interest in ghostwriting? I, as a writer, like ghostwriting was something I always wanted to do. That was on my list of literary things that I wanted to try my hand at. So it's something that I just kind of just always wanted to do. So I hooked up with another publishing company, not the one that I write for now, but another company that were that did ghostwriting. So I sent them some samples of writing and they liked my style and all of that. So then that's pretty much how the ghostwriting started. It didn't take long at all to kind of, you know, get into, but it's just something that I Kind of just wanted to, wanted to do one on my list on my to do list. Is is it hard giving up 
<laughs> like giving up the uh, huh? the work, especially if you <laughs> look like hold on, this is too good. I'm gonna keep this. For myself. You know, I you know as I always say, I didn't think that all the way through. To be <laughs> I didn't think when I started, I did two books, and I as I'm sitting like up late at night trying to meet the deadline, trying to get the word count. I'm thinking. I didn't think this all the way through because this is like good stuff and it's like not mine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But I gave them my best. I gave them my everything. (laughs) (laughs) Gave them my best writing ever. I'm thinking, I don't know, but I'm thinking like, you know, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, it's something I wanted to try my hand and I love doing it because it's, it's writing. I love to write, but you are 100% correct with that's not your writing. Mm-hmm. And you can't skip around here saying it's yours. Like that is not yours. Right, right, so right. So it's yeah. like that. That that's the hard part. That that really is the hard part. Well, one of the hard parts is giving it up. Giving it up. <laughs> yep, it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, now the books you did release were they all under Major Key Publishing? Um, no, Major Key is who I'm with now. Prior to that, I was with AIP, which is Anointed Inspiration Public Publications. Okay. Um, and my first, my first publishing company I was with was called One Karma, and the companies that I'll be well, my first publishing company I was with. Her goal is to for you to be with her for a year, and her teach you the business, and as well as publish your book teach you the business and kind of make you comfortable as a writer, you know, teach you things about the literary business that you you know may not know because you're a novice and pretty much to teach you the business as well as publish your book. Oh, and good. then after a year, she kind of lets you, you know, you got your wings so you can go ahead and fly <laughs> off someplace. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so now, now I'm now I am currently with major key publishing, but I'll, that's where I write my fiction. I also write nonfiction and I just self-publish that on my own. And I just, that's a, like a separate, that's like a ministry thing, honestly. So I do write nonfiction, but it's more of a, that's where the women empowerment comes from. Okay. So what was it? So take me back to when you um, first began this journey as an author. What were you looking for in a publishing company? Were you even looking to um, go the independent route or were you trying to go the traditional route all along? So what were you looking for in a publishing company and through the journey when you first started? When I first started, the traditional route was what I was looking for because I didn't, I wasn't sure, didn't have all the contacts on how to do the whole thing myself, like do a whole self-publishing thing on my own as far as getting book covers, as far as editing and all of that. So I'm like, like, okay, I'm going to have, I'm going to a la carte myself to, I don't know how much money if I do one thing here, and then <laughs> <laughs> book covers over here and then editing over there and then, you know, binding right. over. it's like, I'm like, okay, I don't even know. So traditional publishing was, was what I went for. And that's the first way I was doing it, even if it was with mom and pops, but the traditional format was what I was going for. Mm. So once you started looking around for publishing companies, what attracted you to the ones you eventually signed with? I only marketed and published my books to companies that took Christian writing. Okay. So like the street lit, I don't write. So I'm not going to you know, pitch my book to a street lit publishing company. So it was only publishing companies that did Christian urban fiction. And amazingly, mm. there are a lot of them. Yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Christian urban fiction. Very, 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 very good stories. Very good writing. Um, obviously, your books are some of them. They go, they go in those categories. But there's there's also some crazy stuff. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I think, you know, because Christian, I I, I don't know, you know, Christian urban fiction, like the Christian part of it really isn't a genre per se, but it's just urban fiction. 
to be honest. Right. Um, being that I'm a Christian, I write it from a Christian standpoint. So you're not going to really, in my books, you know, I'm not going to um, actually say a curse word. Mm-hmm. I will allude to a curse word. You know, I won't actually describe in detail a sex thing, but I will allude to one, you know. So it's not, it's not contrary to popular belief. Some people think when they hear Christian fiction, oh, it's going to be this, this, you know, judgmental book or this perfect book where Christians are not doing anything and we know that's not true in real life. So some people don't want to bother because it's going to be, we're going to portray Christians as not doing things that we, that Christians aren't supposed to do, I guess, as you, however you want to put it. But it's not, mm-hmm. it's, that's not it. It's, it's just the fact that I'm not going to, my, my language is not going to be street lit language. You know, it's not going to be street literature language, but it's going to be real life situations where real life things happen, even for people in the church. People in the church are having oh, babies out of, you know, out of wedlock like that's going on. So my books are true to life is just the way I word it. So it's not portraying Christians as the perfect people. Now, were you were you fearful um, writing uh, urban fiction, Christian urban fiction, um, seeing as though how involved you were in the church, was there any uh, <laughs> reluctancy, and <laughs> uh, especially trying to put out a good story that members of the church will probably read? So were you? <laughs> you know, th- yes, and but the, the the story that that holds me to that feeling right there, I haven't wrote yet. Really? Uh, yeah, I have a story and I'm like, man, I don't want to, you know, hurt my church family feelings because I'm still in the same church. Uh, so, <laughs> so that story. Now, my, the stories that I have written are, I'm sure they read that and think like, well, you know, this sounds like me and they probably would be correct. But what I did, what I did was like put a whole bunch of people together. <laughs> <laughs> I put a whole lot of people together and made like a character. So it's like they may see a little bit right, of themselves right. and, and what would straight them off like that ain't me because they'll see something that's not them in that same character. Right. So it kind of, well, then maybe that's not me because that's not, you know, so, but the story that by which, but you're referring to, I haven't wrote it yet. Mm. For that reason. <laughs> For that reason. <laughs> For that reason. I know. <laughs> So I don't know. No, no. <laughs> it's, coming, it's coming soon. It's coming. It really is. You know, I kind. You know, honestly, this is what I do with it. To be honest, I kind of, I kind of chip away at it in in venues and platforms outside of where I live. So hmm. I I have so many. I am an author in so many anthologies of other people. I have my own anthology as well, but I have written in several anthologies. And I chip away at that real life story, but it's not huh. something that that I advertise locally, so they won't they don't know about certain different you know books I've written in. And what makes me just kind of do that is because I do want to tell the story to help other people, but I'm not quite right. you know I don't want to you know like you said I don't want them to be like oh man that's me and then feel some kind of way and I don't want all that all to right, build absolutely. up. But it, yeah, but it is a message for. Other women, so, I, so it's 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 told in bits and pieces in other places. Mm. Now, walk walk me through that moment when you published your first book. You received the first copy in your hand. Oh, the first copy is the first copy is is everything is everything that you. As a as a new author, one of the top five things that you're waiting for, you know, that's mm. top of the list. To be honest, when you're when you're a novice, you're a beginner, and you this is your first book, you're waiting to hold that book, and that's one of the things that you are so much waiting for. Everything is, is so much that comes after that, but it, it until you like get it in your hand is the first thing you want to do. So it's a feeling. I can't even describe it. I'm an author, but it's a feeling. It's a feeling that (laughs) every author, I'm sure, looks forward to. And to be honest, it's not even that first book. It's every book 
every book you want to hold yeah, it. Every so single you, one. You, yeah. you get that feeling with every book. Though I want to hold it. And I'm a hold the book kind of person. I'm not really into Kindle and devices. I like to hold books in my hand. So yes. it's, it's, even more, <laughs> it's even more so of that. Like I like to hold books in my hand. So even when, before I became in, in pub, a published author, I, the books I read, I like to hold them. So it's a whole nother thing when you're holding your own book. And that's with every book. Mm. Where where are your first books at? Did you put did you put them away? Did you? Uh, but, but wait, they like on the shelf that I have. No. <laughs> I have a copy of every book. I honestly do. I have a copy. I have a copy, my own copy of every book, and I have it. I do have them on this like shelf in my living room of of every book that I'm in or have written. I have just the one copy. <laughs> Now, in this journey of being an author, obviously, there are so many ups as well as uh, downs, you know, especially in the industry. Mm-hmm. What what keeps you motivated to keep putting these books out? Well, one, I, I love to write. I love to write. And I have so many stories I just like to tell. What keeps me motivated in writing is honestly, for one, I know writing is my gift. So it's a God-given gift. So even if I can't use my writing where I think I want to, like say, for instance, if I, if I want to send it to a publisher and I kind of want this publisher and if they don't like it, I do know that it can be used someplace else. My writing does not just mm. go unused. And the fact that I know now that it's my gift, it's nothing that can happen per really that can make me think that I shouldn't write. Mm. So even if I go a year and I'm just throwing something out there without publishing nothing, I write for online magazines as well, women magazines. And I also write for a women's like mental health magazine. And I write for a Christian magazine for women. So I'm going to always write something for someone and it's a gift. So I'm going to always do it. So nothing's going to deter me from it. Mm. So sp- speaking of mental health, since you just brought it up, how important is mental health awareness, especially in our community, especially in a time like this as well? Very. I started um, a little organization or company, if you will. It's called Hashtag SOS. And the SOS means she overcame suicide. Mm. So I also did a book, an anthology um, entitled She Overcame Suicide. Um, Being that I'm in a church and have always been my, I guess, intended audience is women in the church. Women in the church that are serving in ministry like they're, they're preaching, they're ushering, they're you know, doing all the things you do in service, but yet they still suffer with suicidal thoughts and suicidal behavior. All right. So the book that I did, it's it's stories from those type of women, evangelists, first ladies, preachers, apostles, those kind wow. of women. And they write their story of overcoming suicide in the book. And it's not just a story of overcoming suicide. They they they. Take us back to the to a suicidal day. So the day that they tried to commit suicide, they write that story and then also and then tell us how, you know, they're no longer in that place. Mm. And the name of that book is hashtag SOS like the uh, company as well? Yeah, the name of the company is hashtag SOS She Overcame Suicide. The name of the book is She Overcame Suicide. Okay, okay. And when I write nonfiction and that's a nonfiction book. When I write nonfiction, I just use my given name, which is Denise A. Kelly. When I write fiction, I just use my initials, D.A. Kelly. Okay. Now that book, when you read some of those stories, especially when you talk about so many powerful women, pastors, people in the church, evangelists, were some of those stories, obviously they're going to be shocking, but just 
just knowing that some of these strong people went through this, how does that feel when you read those stories in that book? That That is what drove the book. That was the purpose of the book. So in in knowing that I was able to gather that many women to tell their story was was that was really the the big thing for me. Um the stories are powerful in and of itself. So when you read the stories it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you read but to for me to get to get them was like the first big major great thing for me cuz you know we don't like to tell that story as black people and then as black women and then we're Christian and then we're in the church and then we're, you know, it's just so many different layers as to why we are not going to tell that story for the type of women that I was kind of targeting that I I really didn't want. And I'm going to do another one with just maybe, you know, a book of millennials, but I wanted like older women that don't look like that's what they've been through just to give the message to the church of, that it's possible to have these feelings, but then yet you can, you know, you can, you can get over it. It's po- it, it, it happens in the church. And that's kind of what I wanted people to understand that it happens in the church. Mm. Now you, now you release these novels, you get them published and they rank number one on Amazon Kindle's list for hot new releases. And also bestsellers in urban Christian fiction. What is that moment like reaching those accomplishments? Oh, now that's a moment for me because that was also on my list of what I what I want to do as a writer. And that was on my list before I even really, really started writing. You know how like, well, you know, when I write, if I ever write a book, I'm going to be like a bestseller, you know. Every book oh, writer going to say that, you know, like you're going to just say that. Like, so that was something I just said, you know, because that's, I mean, one, if I'm writing it, it's going to have to be on a bestseller list, like, you know, just in conversation. And I said that so long ago and, and then for it to happen on Amazon, like that was like, oh man, like, you know, this is what I wanted. So it's kind of like seeing, you know, it's, it's, it's like an amazing feeling to see your dream and things that you want to come to life, seeing it come to life is like that, that is an, an amazing feeling by itself. Now, how did you find out? Were you guys, were you tracking it or did someone call you with the good news? Um, the publisher uh, was tracking it the day, the day it was released. Cause I, I was, I, I know I had to work. So, you know, I had to work job, that, that, <laughs> the job. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> when it pays the bills. So I had, <laughs> I mean, I had to go all excited. It was released, I think, on a Tuesday. So Anthem is like, wait a minute. <laughs> you, you know, you got to clock in. So I was working my right. job and all day, she, um, the publisher, um, she just kept tracking it. Like she, any book that's released, she would track it and kind of just, you know, shoot us a message like where we are. So I kept tracking it. And then it was like number two, like it, it, it released that morning. And then by noon, it was like number one. So they had two different, um, Amazon mm. does two different. They do, they do a hot, uh, a bestseller and then they do like on a hot pick. And I was, hadn't reached bestseller before I reached hot pick. And then I made number one on a hot pick. And then I stayed on a hot pick, maybe for the week in the top, you know, they had like a, Amazon does like a top 100. So I stayed hot in the top 100 for like a couple of months. So Damn. just, and even when I moved from number one, because we are putting out books like rapidly. So someone else came in and, just, and, and took their spot is okay. But I stayed in the, their 100 pick for a long time. Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> so it has all my books have like five star, five stars on Amazon. That's good. Now, you got approved to be distributed in women's federal prisons throughout the United States, Canada, and London. What was that? Was that something that you planned to do or is that an opportunity that just came about? Um, I planned to do it. I One day I was just thinking of how to give back without 
having somebody to pay for the book. Like I wanted to just give back, you know? So I don't know. I was just reading something. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think back. The, the thought just came, well, I could, I could send my books to prison for people, you know, just that, that I don't know how long they're going to be in prison. Just, just to give them something, you know, some, something encouraging. Cause my, my books, my fiction books, you know, they're, they're fiction. They're a good old made up story, good old story with some drama in it. But in every book I have a message. So mm. I'm thinking like, you know, this just could be something good, something good for them, something good for me to do a way for me to give back. Just something I just simply just wanted to do for no, for no reason, for no, you know, it was not for nothing, you know, not for, you know, any kind of event or any kind of anything. It's just something that I just simply wanted to do. So I had to go through the steps of, you know, you can't just send books. So I contacted um, the proper people, the jails, um, some organizations and sent some emails out and you have to get approved. Like your book has to be approved. They have to see if, you know, you have to see if they will allow your book in the jails. Mm. It's crazy, man. <laughs> I know. And I, and, and even in that process, I was looking at, you know, every, every jail, and every state, like they, they allow different things and you know, some places allow like books about witches. I'm thinking like, man, like really, like I'm thinking that would be a topic you wouldn't allow in jail, but some jails do. <laughs> I, I don't, don't ask me why, but you know, so and, and doing that, I'm like, man, if, and I'm thinking like, so if they are allowing that type of stuff in the jail, then I definitely have to make sure my book somehow gets to the jail. All right. So it was just, stuff. yeah, it was just something I just simply wanted to do. That's great. That's so amazing. Now, give me, I'm going to ask for two pieces of advice from you. Okay. Give me one piece of advice for a young woman that's out there that feels like the weight of the world is on her shoulders right now. One piece of advice would be to have someone to talk to that you can be yourself and that they won't judge you and to talk like don't keep it in like we we're good for that we have to stop doing that talk to the world no by all means but find someone to talk to yes so don't keep it in talk to someone and i also want a piece of advice for a young writer out there that aspires to one day become a published author, but they just don't know where to start. Well, my, my first piece of advice to a writer is to write. You'll be amazed at some, how sometimes we don't write. We're authors and we just don't mm -hmm. even take that time <laughs> in the day. I'm preaching to the choir. You don't take that time to actually write. So mm. first thing is like, write. You're a writer, write. writers write. So, right. The second thing is if you're trying to be published through a traditional type format, then make sure you just send in your work to publishers that publish your work. You know, we don't want you don't want to get, you know, happy and send and sending your work everywhere. To places that don't publish your type of work, because then that's just going to set yourself up for some rejection and for some no's and all rejection and no's going to come anyway. Yes, they will. But you set yourself up if you send your, your things to places whereby they don't even take your type of writing. So when you're sending things out to publishing companies, make sure you read their criteria and their requirements and you have to follow them to the letter. If you do some one thing off from what they said, then you're, work will get thrown in a pile that they're not going to read. That's, that's crazy. And that's important. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, you know, they have to do that because everybody's an author nowadays. So they're getting manuscripts right. like crazy. So we have to find a way to read all these manuscripts. So the minute you do one thing wrong, they don't read it. They'll, if they tell right, you right. to send us the first three chapters, then send the first three chapters. Don't send four. 
<laughs> don't send your because they waiting for somebody. Like that. They're waiting wait, for somebody to wait. hear because they like we ain't trying to read all these books. Anyway, they waiting for somebody to do one wrong thing, and to and to don't send. You know, sometimes we get happy and we want to send the whole book. If they don't ask for your entire manuscript, do not send it. Only send them what they ask for. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's so yeah. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and you can have a good old story. Right, yeah. I wonder yeah. how many people got rejected just from not following directions. Exactly. Not even that's, from their their actual story. That's the first key following following their direct they would say you have to follow them to the to the letter. They say email them the story. Don't mail it. Email it. You know, like you know, sometimes <laughs> we want to be just overly like you have to really do it. They have those rules there for a reason. Um yes, and do. it's for good and bad. So if you want to at least get them to read it. You want to follow the directions from the from the door. Now, one of your novels, The yeah. Beam in Her Eye, is about a young Rosalind Michelle Price who was counting down the days before she could move out of her parents' home. Both of her parents were preachers, which made it twice as hard to explore life without being held to strict Christian principles. As soon as her 18th birthday finally arrives, she moves in with her drug dealing boyfriend, Dexter James, known in the streets as DJ. Now that Rosalind was his and no longer bound to the church or her parents' strict rules, she quickly finds out how cold and ruthless the streets in DJ could be. Rosalind quickly found out she wasn't as in love with him as she thought, and his actions prove he's not in love either. She also feared him, and that's what forced her to make one of the hardest decisions in her life after finding out that she was pregnant, which meant she would be connected to him for life. 25 years later, she's married, highly respected in her community, and the pastor of a thriving church. No one knows, not even her husband, Walter, about the life she left behind all those years ago. Pastor Rosalind is sure. By now, her past has dissolved until one day her past comes back to haunt her and it wants revenge. Now, we're going to dive into this story. (laughs) (laughs) Because you were touching on so many relatable (laughs) experiences in this book. Oh, my gosh. So the beam in her eye. Let's start there. What was the inspiration behind the title? Um, Matthew seven, uh, 35, I believe. And that's just the verse. And it's like a cluster of verses that talks about the beam in your eyes. It, that's the verse that says you can't take a splinter depends on what version Bible you read out of my eye. If you have a beam in yours, so you can't look at me and tell me I'm wrong until you fix what's wrong with you. And my problem could be a, a splinter problem, whereby yours is a big beam, but you're 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 judging the splinter in my eye. Now the cover, very 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 nice cover. Um, yeah. What was the inspiration behind the design? Well, my publishing company they they do that part. All I do, all we do as the authors is tell them kind of our vision and kind of what we how we kind of want it to, to look and what we may envision as a cover. And I just gave her just different things. And the person who does the covers just kind of keep chipping away at it until it's what we want. So I, I'm not a graphic artist by, by nothing. I can't even do stick figures. So <laughs> what I, I can, I can see what I want. I can kind of write it out really nice and pretty. I give you a good old story about what I want. And then I'll leave it to the graphic people to find to find it. So the, the cover in and of itself wasn't my idea, but it's like, okay, this is what I want. Can you do this and make it look like this? And that the graphic person put, put it all together. That's what we came up with. Now, how many covers did you have to go through to get to the one you want? (laughs) Oh, it It was a couple because the, she would shoot me covers and I'm like, I don't know. It's like, well, can you take, you know, the the her face on this one 
keep the face and then give me some other. So it's like it's like a a, a combination of different things of different covers that I saw. Mm. So you know you can like the wording or I like the <laughs> font on this one. So keep the font and then make it. You know it's like it's one of those kind of deals. So yeah, I don't know how many. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many. I don't know. It was a lot, a lot, but it wasn't the first one. <laughs> It wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously, I read the synopsis for the book. So break down what this story is about for all the listeners out there from your your, um, perspective. Okay. So basically, Rosalind, the the mother Rosalind, she, when she was younger, she, you know, had parents that were in in the church. As every young teenager, you know, when you're made to go to church, you know, the thing is, when I get grown, I'm not going. So she couldn't wait to <laughs> not go and move out. So she, she pretty much moves out, moves in with the boyfriend. She gets pregnant. Um, and she leaves her daughter with her parents. And she leaves the town. She runs in the middle of the night and gets away from DJ. He can't find her. The daughter is was left with the parents. So she thought later on, she finds out that he came and took the daughter. He, him and some other, a good friend of hers raised the daughter, but this is like 25 years ago. So she stayed out of contact with her parents because she didn't want him to find her. So she didn't talk to her parents. She, you know, grew up, got, got grown and and, and decided to, you know, give her life to the Lord. So she, you know, became a Christian for real. And then she got her own church you know, big church, married, like started a whole other life with the husband. Um, the husband, now the reason it's, it's called beam in her eye is because she had a daughter that no one knew about, kept it a secret, never told her husband. Her, her husband, they kind of split up. They had problems early in the marriage when, you know, when the marriage was fresh. When the love kind of faded, they split up. They separated. He went, lived his life. She lived hers for two years. He had a baby in that span, but didn't tell her. She finds out about the daughter years later. So she gives him a hard time for not telling her that he had a daughter. So then the, the, his, the lady he had the daughter with was an alcoholic and, you know, not a good mother. So. Eventually, the daughter comes and live with them. And that's how she finds out by the daughter at the front door. She didn't know who this little girl was. But that she finds out that he had a daughter. So she gives him like the hardest time, treats him like very bad for not telling her that he had a daughter. And all along, she has one too. Mm. Now, what was the inspiration? I know the scripture. Um was the main inspiration. What was the other inspiration behind the book? Because you could have taken so many scenarios, but you took some very relatable scenarios and created this amazing book. So what was the inspiration behind the book beyond the scripture? For that book, I, the, the, my inspiration was, was the verses. And then I, then I sat and just kind of outlined and thought of what can be a good, Relatable stories, just like you said, a good relatable story that can fit these verses. Mm. And then, you know, being that I am in church, it just kind of flows. Everything's going to flow from like that kind of setting. But being that that is something that goes on, it I just took it and made it a story finding things that really happen, things I've seen, things I've heard, things I've experienced, just a whole bunch of things put together that I have gotten from being in church and just making it a story. Mm. Now, out of, out of all your characters, which one do you relate to the most in this story? Um, I am... I would be the preacher, the, 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 the mother who ran away, you know, left the daughter and just ran away. Now, I, that, that's not really a true story now. <laughs> I don't have a daughter. <laughs> like, you gotta let people know. 
I don't have a long lost daughter anywhere. But that whenever I write, I have to be for some reason I always put me as the the main character because it's easier for me to write about that person. So when it comes to when it comes to me having to maybe describe her ways that I could because you know, I have to have I can't just write a story, just write the story. Contrary to popular belief, writing fiction can be a little, you know, a little hard because if you're trying to make it relatable, so it needs to be a real person in my head. Right. So when I started writing about ways and, and, and thought patterns, you know, and habits and hobbies, I need a real person for that. To make that person a live person that you're reading about, not so it, it'll feel like you're reading about a person, a real person. So they got real ways, you know, real habits that they have and ways, you know, that they have and different things that they like, you know, just to make them a real live person. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think makes this book stand out from all its competitors? Because of there's a message in the book. And, you know, you can get caught up in the entertainment of the book and the drama of the book. But the message of the book is always bigger than me because every message I have in the book comes from a scripture. It comes from the Bible. So the Bible is going to always be bigger than me. The Bible is going to be always be bigger than any book that I write. So what, and I know there's, there's, there's Christian authors out there and I, I love a lot of them. I read their stuff. So I'm not saying, you know, when is better, but what the thing that I do, my thing is to give you a message that's actually from God's word. And for you to see that message, even after you've finished reading the book, after you've enjoyed the drama, you know, you may find yourself needing that message. And that's kind of what I want everybody to get from the book, like the, the, the God given message from the book. Right. Now, what can we expect next from you? Next. Oh, I'm, I have a few things going on. I'm going to do a second She Overcame Suicide book. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm thinking of I'm going to do it with males. So, of course, it's not it's, it won't be a she this time. It'll be he's. But I'm going to do a book of, of men that are preachers. Or somehow in ministry, their suicide story, and I already have the guys together. So it's kind of just all in getting it done. So as far as for Denise Kelly, I'm going to be doing that as far as stories of males that have overcome suicide. I'm also going to do a journal for the She Overcame Suicide book. As far as D.A. Kelly, the fiction writer, I'm writing a book of two long short stories and i'm proofing that now and getting trying to get that to the publisher before the end of next month and that should be out prayerfully by december oh nice now, now tell everybody where they can find the all of your books because they all they all are amazing find all of your books get in contact with you how to reach you for speaking engagements and ghostwriting everything, including social media, everything. Um, all the books can be found on Amazon, Goodreads, and also Barnes and Noble online. And other places, I've noticed that there are other places that I didn't even know they were. So if you pretty much Google my name, if you want to find my fiction stuff, you have to Google D.A. Kelly. If you want to find my nonfiction, just Google Denise A. Kelly. And it'll pull up wherever my stuff is wherever the books are, but definitely Amazon, Goodreads and Barnes and Noble online to get in contact with me. My website is D a Kelly dot D a Kelly dot com. And you can also get my books from there. I have the Amazon link on my site as well. As far as social media, I'm out there as Denise A. Kelly. Um, on Facebook, I have a personal page under Denise A. Kelly. I have an author page under author 
Denise A. Kelly. So I, I'm, I just keep it simple. It's my name. And that's how you can get me on Facebook, on Instagram. I am MSD Kelly. So Miss D Kelly. On Twitter, I am MZDA Kelly. And that's Kelly with, with two e's. e's. Two e's. I know. As I always say, it's Kelly with an E. K E L L E Y. Yeah. Because, sure because I mean, yeah, because you've been pulled up a cousin of mine who got the same name. It throws me every time I see her name. So you'll see. Really? <laughs> yeah. So you'll see author. That, 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 that's going to be me. Or when you go to my page, you'll know it's me because you'll see a lot of like book stuff in the books that I'm speaking of. So yes, it's K it's K E L L E Y. All right. This was the Fiction Addiction Podcast, and this was Denise A. Kelly. Denise, thank you so much. Thank you. Same here. Thank you for joining us on the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Make sure you visit fictionaddictionpodcast.com for links on everything we talked about today, as well as awesome resources, additional tips, and fiction addiction merchandise.